Good morning and welcome to Morning Java, brought to you as always by Get Go Cafe and Market, where Dale, they've always got the fresh food, the curbside delivery, the great service, the, the, the six inch subs, or seven inch subs for $4.99. Always loving Get Go. I just had me some early today. Can you get fireworks here, Chris? I don't know. I hope <laughs> not because I am tired of the fireworks. The fourth is over. Stop it, people. Oh, God. I don't know you, Dale. It's been going since April and I can't stand it. <laughs> And Everybody's just cooped up. They need to get out the get-go and get some food, not exactly. fireworks. And, and you can get beer at get-go. Don't forget that. <laughs> if you want to calm down, get some beer in you. Anyways, uh, you can also go to my beer bar for that. But uh, anyways, Dale, let's talk about the, the newest news in the NFL. And we heard the NFL had planned and announced it's planned – it wanted to plan to scrap two of the preseason games, weeks one and four. But the NFL Players Association came up with a vote saying that their vote moving forward would be to not have a preseason at all what's been your your, your ear to the ground uh the, the information that you've been getting about how will this actually hold up will the nfl even care or will they just trudge forward with those two games well you know that's one of the things that's one of the reasons why they haven't announced anything yet chris uh they need to they need to hash this out between the union and the nfl uh the nfl obviously would like to play those two preseason games the coaches would like four, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the owners are looking at this differently, and they're saying, hey, we want to play at least two. Uh, that way you get a home and away. Um, maybe it gives you a test run with fans in your, in your stadiums, that kind of stuff. Um, but the players uh, are, are, are siding with it. Look, they haven't had practices. Um, you know, you're going to be coming back. Uh, if, if they do cut the first and the last preseason games, which is what they've talked about, uh, it's the idea that's been floated out there. You're still going to be playing a preseason game in about three weeks after you return to practice, after you first start practicing. Um, maybe that's enough time, maybe not. Uh, you know, so there's a lot that's got to be hashed out here between the players' union and the NFL. That's why we still haven't seen anything uh, definitive on this. It's just all these reports being floated out there. And I honestly think a lot of times these things get floated just to test it out and see what the public reaction is. Um, what's the public say about this? If we go down to two games, what's everybody going to say? If we go to none, what's everybody going to say? And, and so they, they kind of get the reaction of everybody and try to go from there. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of what they did with, uh, with, with the new proposals with the Rooney rules. They put out one, and then everybody saw the reaction, and they went, went, went a different way. Um, I agree about, about that sense. I also thought it was interesting when they picked the second and third week's of preseason to have, you know, not just to get the home and away games, but this gives you at least one more week to get ready to do that game. And I, though the biggest thing I thought was interesting was that if you cut off that fourth week, that gives you another week of time. And like say they all their trial runs with the preseason games, if they have fans at them, this would give them time to to see what worked, what didn't work, and experiment. And then that way, okay, this is how we're rolling out week one, which they cannot afford to flop for them. Yeah, they, they can't screw that up. They can't have, you know, massive lines and those kind of things outside the stadiums as they test people coming in. Uh, the idea has been floated that they may have sign, fans sign waivers to, to enter the stadium, that you, you can't sue the league if you catch COVID. Not that I don't know how you'd be able to prove that. And, and I think the thing that's being overlooked now a lot, um, yes, the numbers uh, are going up around the country in terms of the, the number of positive tests, but A, we're testing more. Uh, more people are being tested now than ever before. And B, uh, I, I saw a story today that said COVID deaths are down to, I think we had uh, just over 200 
uh, yesterday down from a highs of, of 2000s in March. So we're 10% of the deaths that we are having. So even though the numbers have spiked, we're seeing fewer people actually hot, being hospitalized and dying from this. So you know, I, I do think that, that that's going to factor into this as well, um, you know, in terms of, uh, of how they bring this back and, you know, what, what exactly this whole thing looks like. All right, Dale, it was the 4th of July weekend. I hope you got to do some, get some relaxing in, maybe eat some good food. Uh, but we get a chance to, to like watch patriotic things over, over, the, uh, over the break. And it was a Saturday. Did you take, partake in anything or is there anything that always gets you going for like a 4th like, you know, of July like watch or something that you watch every year? You know, I, I really enjoyed the, the John Adams series that they did on HBO, uh, basically based off the John Adams book. Um, you know, of the just the, his life from the start of the revolution when everything kind of when they started uh, kind of kicks off with the, the Boston Massacre and things of that nature. And then goes from there to the through the rest of his life. And, um, you know, I actually had my, my wife and I watched it. She hadn't seen it before. Um, about two weeks ago, we watched it. And she had no idea that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams died on the same day the 4th of July, mm. the same exact day. Uh, they were the last two signers of the Declaration of Independence. So I, I, just such a great series, great poignant, uh, great acting in it, and uh, just a great show. Yeah, that, that sounds interesting. I haven't had a chance to watch that yet, and I do enjoy my, my historical miniseries, like we were talking about Band of Brothers back on Memorial Day. Uh, one thing I'm going to recommend to viewers, if you haven't seen it yet, and I tie this in because – uh, if you haven't heard the news, the Washington Redskins, Dan, Dan, their owner, Daniel Snyders, he's talking about changing the name of, of the Redskins. And one of the names that's supposed to Let me just say this. I live in Washington, and if, as you can see, my skin is very red. <laughs> I've been outside quite a bit. <laughs> uh, but that's not what we're talking about here. not at all what we're saying here. Uh, but uh, but uh, Daniel Snyder, one of the names has been considered, it's called the Red Tails. And for those who don't know, the Red Tails references – uh, the, th the 332nd uh, fighter pilot unit that was the first ever black pilots uh, allowed in the U.S. Air Force to go in on missions. In World War II, uh, and I said this at the, uh, on the, the happy hour show that we did with Dayon, uh, but in World War II, before they came to action, uh, they were assigned to be bomber escorts in Europe and, and helping the bombers go into the major cities. They went through Berlin. Before they were assigned, American bombers were being taken down one out of every three of their bombers were being shot out of the sky. As, uh, when, as soon as they were assigned to protect bombers, they never lost a single one. And it was, uh, it was a spectacular feat. If you wanna watch about them, everyone might know the recent movie that was Red Tails, but personally, and I'm a guy, I, I, love, I love my history, uh, I love my movies, but it, was, it just was, it missed so many marks. It, it missed so many poignant moments in, in the, their, their history, because it wasn't just that they all just came together and that was one squad. They trained in different areas, and some, but a lot of them trained at Tuskegee, uh, which is where they got their training, which is where they, they, they learned how to fly, and they still dealt with a lot of racism on the way. A lot of people thought they couldn't do it. If you want to watch something, watch HBO's Tuskegee Airmen. It's, it, was, it was made, I think, back in the late 90s, but it has Lawrence Fishburne, has Cuba Gooding Jr., John Lithgow, uh, Andre Brower, Courtney Vance, just star, star, star upon star, and they did it so well. It carries the emotion of, like, you, you get the feel of, of, of being with them and being part of their mission so much better than what Red Tails did. But that's something that I watched on my 4th of July just because I always try to go with, with, with something patriotic just to kind of go with it, um, unless I wanted to watch Will Smith and, uh, you know, blow up, blow up a spaceship on Independence Day. 
So Chris, uh, Carl Reiner died last week, mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, his family released some photos of of him hanging out with uh, Mel Brooks in bed, and mm-hmm. it made me start thinking about because you know, those two were so tied together with their with their comedy acts back in the fifties and sixties. It made me think, especially in this time of uh, when we've got so much talk about racism and stuff going on, could Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks' famous movie from the early 70s, could that movie be made today? Ooh, man, that's such a hard question. And it's something I hear people talk about for other movies. I I don't know if it could. The way that it was made, I don't think it could be made. I think that they would have to make a lot of changes. Uh, But that's also who Mel Brooks was, right? It would lose its impact if it if you didn't have the movie the way it is. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, you know, I, I I remember the first time I showed it to my sons. I think they were probably thirteen and sixteen, and they couldn't believe what was being said on this in this film. And I'm like, no, guys, really, they're making fun of racism. They're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not being racist. And, and, but a very good comparison for something that's even more recent: Tropic Thunder, a movie that's that that, that talked about it and. Um, Oh, shoot, God, I played Tony Stark. Uh, I can't remember. Robert Downey Jr. Thank you, Robert, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. When he played the role, he played a guy who was in blackface portraying a black person. And at the time, it was hilarious because it made fun of the whole point of blackface. It says, this is why it's stupid and it's racist <laughs> to do in the first place. And it was a hilarious movie. I love Tropic Thunder, much like how I, my, my dad showed me Blazing Saddles when I was younger. And, you know, I, I was like, wow, that movie's hilarious. Uh, you know, Cleavon Little was and, and Gene Wilder. Gene, first of all, Gene Wilder, very few things that man did that weren't good. Uh, but uh, but you look at Tropic Thunder, it's really funny the same way. But could you do that today? There was even like a, a quick social media push by people that hadn't seen the movie Generation XP or Generation Z, sorry, Generation Z, the, the kids that are after the millennials. They saw, they were like, what? Robert Downey Jr. was in blackface? That was, and it was like, and then they had no idea the context. And they were saying, oh, we have to cancel this movie. And there was, but there was an immediate pushback from millennials, generation Xers, excuse me, I was, I was saying way, things way too fast there. But the, the people who saw the movie in his time was like, whoa, you don't understand the whole point is that he's making fun of and showing why people shouldn't do blackface. And I think that's the same thing with Blazing Saddles, that a lot of the stuff it did, it exposed racism. It shows how, showed how stupid it was. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I probably, there'd be a lot of pushback from companies and corporations uh, and the producers to be like, hey, Mel, you got to step back here. But could Mel Brooks even be Mel Brooks in this time? I don't think he could, and I think that's something that we're losing in this entire, uh, whether it's the cancel culture or however you want to look at this, we should be able to laugh at ourselves. We should be able to uh, to, to reach a middle ground and laugh about some of these things because in, instead of just c- completely condemning everything that happened in the past, I think you should be able to talk about it and at least have some conversation about it instead of uh, just completely, oh, we got we to take that down, we got to take this down, and just forget about it. I get the, the fact that we don't want to have, uh, you, know, uh, you know, racist, uh, you know, people who, who were, were racist, like Yale, for example. Okay, that's great. Um, but we have to be able to have a conversation about these things. And if we can't laugh about, uh, you know, some things and poke fun at them, what are we doing? No, I, I agree. I think a perfect example of someone who has trudged forward and, and maintained that funny is Dave Chappelle. If you have not seen any of Dave Chappelle's specials in the past year or two, 
he has been on fire. He's released a few of them. And like, and he says it in the middle. Like there was one at one point, he's like, and if you don't like my jokes, remember people on Netflix, you clicked on my face. And he has stood the test of time. He is, and people have told him, oh, you can't say this or you can't say that. And he's like, everyone knows I'm making fun of this. And I think that there's, that's a really tough thing to balance because it is dangerous, right? I mean, there's cancel culture. And then the, the trick is there are the people like everything that ruin it, that say, oh, I'm trying to make a joke. And they're like, no, but you're being kind of malicious with it. And I think that there's that balance that's tough to strike. But I do agree with you. I think that, it, that, that at least having those discussions does does help moving forward. I do think that people like Dave Chappelle and comedy like Tropic Thunder and, and like Blazing Saddles that bring things out like that are good for our culture moving forward. Okay.